Welcome to the Iowa Agronomy Update, where we talk all things agronomics. I'm your host, Brent Schwinnaker, and this podcast is brought to you by Asgro DeKalb Brand Seeds. Hey everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Iowa Agronomy Podcast. We're happy to have you back. Uh, we've got an exciting episode today. Uh, we got a little change of pace here for you. Uh, most of our uh, Asgro DeKalb uh, colleagues are at their uh, national uh, sales meeting here this week, and uh, they're getting busy and ready to uh, uh, get us a 2019 package of products and programs ready to uh, move forward this summer. So we uh, we made a call to the bullpen, and uh, we've got a new a new guest on the podcast here this week, and we've got uh, uh, Jeff Cernet. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Hey, good to be with you here today, Brent. Yeah, great. Uh, so Jeff is a uh, commercial corn breeder here uh, at our Huxley facility. And Jeff, do you want to just kind of explain a little bit about what uh, what that title means and kind of what, what maturity uh, a corn you, you tend to work with? You bet. Uh, so commercial corn breeders uh, work in the later stages of our uh, corn breeding pipeline. Uh, we create a lot of the hybrids that uh, are hopefully going to get to our customers someday. Um, and uh, we really try to evaluate and characterize those hybrids. The, the maturities that I work primarily are uh, basically from a 98-day maturity all the way down through in a lot of cases, one one fifteen maturities. Great. So that that uh, those maturity ranges uh, fit right here, uh, most of Iowa, right? So ninety eight to one fifteen is pretty much defines our Iowa Iowa range. And so, um, Jeff, we wanted to kind of bring you on today and and talk about kind of our growing season and and where we're at. We're recording here uh, on June. June 20th here today and uh you know just you've probably been out in some plots and and just we I know we had a, the theme of the podcast here in the last or the first six episodes has been uh planting delays and and environmental responses to that um as you're out walking plots Jeff what you know what's your overall what's your overall thought of the corn crop here on on June 20th so far well, the corn crop, uh, and I, we're going to have been walking quite a bit of corn to get um, how our research tracks this year. Uh, and establishment this year has been uh, probably some of the best that I've ever seen, um, even prior to a lot of the, the rains and so on that we're getting now. But the stand establishments and uniformity was is probably one of the best I've seen in quite a few years so that was good to see I think the crop was off was off to a pretty good start uh, we had some planting delays obviously in uh, northern and northwest Iowa uh, earlier in the year but um, a lot of those corn uh, planting dates that were a little bit delayed that corn is uh, because of the heat that we've had has really uh, been able to try to catch up and uh, the uniformity and some of that late planted corn is actually some of the best I've seen really so 
uh, it's good to actually see that. We'll see what happens the rest of the season because now we're getting a lot of rain. So. Yeah, uh, actually, actually, as we speak again, so we're we're in the middle of a couple storm warnings here uh, here this afternoon. But you know, you you mentioned uh, some rapid rapid heat accumulation uh, here, Jeff, and we um, we've certainly seen that. Uh, I was running. Uh, running some of the statistics here on on GDUs uh, for the state, uh, and in general, it looks like uh, no matter where you're at, uh, we I ran data from April 20th through uh, through yesterday, and uh, we we seem to be running anywhere from 175 to 225 uh, GDUs uh, ahead of of the last two years and. And I think the, the last two years are kind of that benchmark of of high high corn yields. Uh, and so, you know, being 225 units ahead, you know, what at this stage, you know, maybe maybe not as risky. But what what does that mean for us, um, you know, for the last three weeks and maybe for the next uh, three to five weeks if if this pace keeps up? Sure. Yeah, uh, like I mentioned, uh, the GDUs have really helped some of that later planted corn kind of catch up with some of the earlier planted corn. It won't ever completely catch up with it, but uh, these, you know, extra GDUs and these warm nights that we've been having have really been encouraging uh, state of growth. I see some some etiolation or extension in the internodes in some of the later planted corn, so that corn's probably going to be fairly tall uh, with these extra GDUs, you know, what's been happening in the last few weeks. If we continue to get that uh, right now, um, vegetative growth is just encouraged by that heat. Uh, it'll extend your internode lengths uh, and you know just basically make your corn a little taller, particularly when you have plenty of moisture, which not all areas, but most a lot of areas of Iowa have had decent moisture. Um, we want that to continue, uh, but once we get into reproductive mode, once we get into silking and, and uh, pollen shed time, um, we're going to need uh, plenty of moisture to go with that if we're going to continue this heat trend. Right? So, yeah, and so, and I would agree. I think um, we've seen it in the past, right, where we get some of that heat stress, and then, and then we get yep. these seventy seventy three degree nights, and these plants just don't have a, a time to, to recuperate. So, you know, if, if we're really looking at that and we're 225 heat units ahead, um, you know, so just, just for reference, you know, we are, um, uh, about, oh, just shy of 1200 heat units in Southern Iowa. And we're just shy of 950 in, in Northern Iowa. Uh, for a general corn crop, what's the general rule of thumb of how many heat units to tassel, Jeff? Uh, it depends on maturity, of course, but you know most of them are going to be between that twelve and thirteen hundred. If you're in some really early germplasm, you know, eighty-five day and earlier, it might be a little short of that. But most of the maturities we use in Iowa will will fit in that range. What's interesting is your flowering timing. Most of the hybrids will flower probably within, if they're planted on the same date, they'll flower within, you know, seven to ten days at the most spread, even a, even pretty wide maturities, 95 to 115 kind of thing. So uh, it's that time between um, kernel um, 
reproduction, so to speak, or yep. between pollinating and black layer that differs the most between sure. uh, the different maturities. So, yeah. So, you know, you're talking 12, you know, 1200 ish uh, heat units and depending upon your, your planting date, you know, we're, we're rapidly approaching uh, that time here. And then basically in the next couple weeks, I mean, we're definitely, definitely going to see some tassels before the 4th of July. I'm, I have a feeling in Southern Iowa. So, yep. I think you're definitely right. So, which, which leads us right into, you know, heck, tomorrow's the start of summer. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, if we keep this pace up, uh, you also mentioned the maturity difference there. So, uh, you know, if, if you think about it, what, what are the, some of the bigger risks there, especially throughout the, the July timeframe here, if, if we keep this pace up again, uh, are we, are we looking at uh, shorter, shorter pollination timing, shorter window? You know, what does that do to kernel set? You know, what does that do to missing kernels? Some of that sort of thing, Jeff. Right. Um, if, uh, if you're lacking water, uh, all these things uh, become a bigger issue. And I think that's one thing that you're probably in the same part where we've got um, some, still some moisture lacking. Hopefully some of these rains that we're getting will head those ways. Uh, but uh, typically it, it's, corn is a crop that likes warm days and cool nights. I mean, it was, it was uh, domesticated, if you will, you know, many, many years ago, and it was in cool climates in Central America. So warm days, cool nights, and, and uh, it's been well adapted to now and bred to handle a lot of the heat and stress that we have these days. But uh, those things, it, basically plants take energy to, to basically keep themselves uh, cool, if you will, and um, taking that energy away from reproduction uh, is where yield comes from. So uh, as long as we can mitigate that stress with decent moisture, and I think uh, plants, uh, corn plants have typically been said to need about three quarters of an inch of, of moisture per day during the flowering period, that's pretty significant. Um, so if that is lacking, then uh, it can actually take away from yield, and some of that will come in, you know, actual ovule sets, some of it will come in kernel abortion, things like that. But um, that's why we want to have conditions leading up to that really quite ideal if we can if we're going to have to go through some stress periods yeah uh, yeah so you mentioned the the lack of, of, of moisture and, and would be uh, magnify the situation uh, even worse and uh, we, that would be that would hit our southern south central Iowa friends uh, probably probably the most right now uh, even though we we continue to get con consistent rains in, in the north, uh, uh, especially this week. But um, you know that could that could shut off in a couple of weeks very easily, just as just as soon as it, it turned on. So uh, so something to watch out for here in the next Fourth uh, of July timeframe through through those first couple of weeks in July, and, and then really getting that that pollination set started. Uh, you know, and, and so the other thing we think about Jeff when we think about tassel is is kind of that uh, onset of um, foliar diseases and um, trying to make a fungicide decision here in the, in the next couple of weeks. That's going to be uh, probably something we talk about uh, more so in our next podcast. But 
uh, as we think about that that timing though and and you guys uh jeff you, you do a ton of of disease screenings you know it, you know what what sort of diseases are are you screening for uh that that you can lead into um that you're looking for here in, in Iowa. Yeah. So uh, it's not a foliar disease, but one of the primary ones is gossip wilt. Um, and, you know, we've uh, put a lot of energy and resources behind selecting for better gossip wilt products. And uh, I think that's kind of shown over the years, we have to select inbreds that the inbred parents that are contributing in those hybrids and then make good hybrid crosses. Um, that's one of the, probably our biggest effort is continues to be in Goss's wilt uh, selection and improvement. A lot of your foliar diseases, so your major ones are northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot, anthracnose stock rot, and southern rust for our fuller season germplasm. Um, some of our emerging diseases would include physoderma node breakage or physoderma node rot, uh, diploidia ear rot, gibberella ear rot, southern leaf blight, Fusarium stock rot, uh, common rust, and southern leaf blight. Uh, one of the other things that we've really been kind of focusing on the last couple of years is fusarium crown rot. Um, that's a different uh, type of uh, root and crown rot, and we've noticed that uh, that's been coming on uh, a lot stronger the last few years. So we're trying to actually um, come up with better uh, screening methods to actually uh, try to target that particular complex. And so uh, we're continuing to, uh, to build our screening on that. Uh, I'd, I'd say, Brent, one of the most interesting experiments we're conducting uh, again this year is to try to evaluate hybrids or genotypes that respond to fungicides. And it's not just necessarily in the presence of fungal diseases, it's sometimes in the absence. Uh, we've got some preliminary data that um, is indicating even even some of our disease class hybrids like 64, 34, and 35 are are actually responding uh, to to fungicides and you know their disease class. We realize that, but uh, even those hybrids can respond in, under the right conditions. So we're trying to actually build our data set up so we can actually uh, make better sense of when are those times that those genotypes respond better, so we can. Uh, hopefully give better recommendations to our customers. Yeah, I th you stole you stole some of my thunder here, Jeff. So that's where I was Sorry. said <laughs> headed to next was that disease shield class of, of 6434 and, and DKC uh, 5950, those those healthier products. And, and, yeah. and I was going to make that exact comment that we, we start to see these products respond to fungicide. And, and, I, and sometimes maybe we just uh, lead to believe that we're – even uh, keeping that plant even healthier for that better, that better, longer, healthier uh, kernel set and kernel fill maybe. And uh, uh, so if, and if you think about that, you know, and that a healthy ear or kernel set, uh, that's something that we're going to be looking for here during the heat and, and stress of, of July. So. Yes, absolutely. And uh, the areas that are receiving the, significant rainfalls that uh, we're getting now uh, this, this year is ripe for fungal diseases, the way things are setting up. I, you, you can never guarantee yield gains, but uh, years like this, when you have this much moisture in the atmosphere, typically when your fungal diseases uh, flourish. Yeah, so, yeah. 
And that's that's a that's a good point. So heat heat and moisture a uh, big part of the disease triangle and, and something to to be watching here uh, in the next couple of weeks as you get closer to that that decision. And it depends on where you're at in the state, that decision is going to be here uh, sooner rather than later. And I think uh, it, it really just kind of goes back to just uh, going with um, going with your plan and sticking to it, whether you spray uh, 10% or 50% or 100% of your corn, depending upon your system or your uh, what you see uh, for your value. But you just have to then go back and and probably just uh, figure out which is higher risk, whether it's by uh, rotation, corn on corn, whether it's by product, uh, the disease uh, characteristics that go without product, and, and just start to, to plug through your your own operation and uh, make your decisions off of that. Absolutely. Great. A yep. um, couple, ma- couple more things here for you, uh, Jeff, before we – uh, let you go. Um, we, we've heard from we've heard from the agronomists early in the season on on some of their their highlight products that that they're watching uh, as they as they lead into uh, the season. Uh, from your perspective, though, Jeff, what what are some of the new new decal new decal products that you're really watching here uh, as the season goes on, and maybe some characteristics that really caught your eye? Yeah, I'll start kind of. Uh on the, the early end uh, or earlier end, uh, 5474 uh, is pretty exciting new genetics. Uh, parents of both of those, or parents in that hybrid are are new, um, just came out of our pipeline and uh, it's been pretty exciting from a top end yield position with that germplasm. Uh, we're really trying to reestablish some, some new um, benchmarks as far as yield goes and that Germplasm certainly uh, does that. It's an above-ground hybrid, so it's got VT or double pro in it. Um, so we're pretty excited about that new germplasm. Uh, DKC 5553 uh, is a new uh, smart stacks, and I believe it's disease shield as well with uh, very good agronomics. It's been a very reliable performer. I think that hybrid is, is going to be with us for a while. That's uh, what I mentioned to the agronomists uh, when we uh, when that product was uh, deployed this, this past spring. Um, just real steady performer. It's got good agronomic characteristics. It's a, more of a medium plant style, which I like to see for the central and northern part of Iowa. I think it's going to be uh, a very good addition to, to the 105-day lineup. And uh, one of the other ones that's probably, I call it the pick of the litter, uh, if you will, uh, 5834, which is the smart stacks version, and 5835 uh, from DeKalb. Um, if we were talking animals, it'd be pick of the litter, excuse me. I know it's a plant. But, <laughs> um, uh, disease shield product does many things well with stability and that DeKalb consistency that we're looking for. And, you know, one of the things that we look for as breeders is we look for yield stability across locations, across many locations. And the, the better the stability, and I'm talking not just steady yields, I'm talking high yields that are stable from place to place. That's what we consider as, or call yield stability. And, and we really look to um, products that last over time for customers and are reliable for customers have that yield stability. And, and we've seen that in products like 5834 and 35. And, and we're very excited to, to be bringing that out to our, to our customers. 
it's got a very uh, neat phenotype. Uh, I look, I like green plant brown husk in the fall. That's just something I look for as a breeder. Um, and when that husk can, can open up and dry down and, uh, you know, the grain can uh, dry a little bit sooner, uh, it really helps in the dry down process. And, and this product clearly has that and it, it's got a nice look in the, uh, for a phenotype in the fall as well. So those are a few of my my favorites anyway. Uh, it's that's good to hear from from the the breeder himself, uh, and it it's neat to hear too on that that 108 uh, maturity product. Uh, you know that 108 range. You know that that fits a wide chunk of of our ground. You know you can you can yeah. take a 108 day product from Highway 34 probably all the way up north of of Highway 20 very easily and and probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, go beyond there, but that for for the core part of that maturity, there's a lot of acres in that in that chunk, and and uh, so good to hear the stability across environments there as well, because uh, we we certainly uh, test the limits in, in environmental conditions here uh, in the state of Iowa from from north to south and and east to west. So uh, good insights there, Jeff, and and really appreciate your. Uh, stepping in from the bullpen here today and, and give us some quick insights. And I guess my takeaway from this is really uh, just, uh, you know, either continue to get some rain or, you know, make sure we, uh, we watch our overnight temperatures and GDU accumulation uh, is really going to be uh, a factor as we move into July here is what, uh, what I'm taking away. Absolutely good uh so jeff thank thanks a lot for joining us uh we hope to have you back maybe we'll uh maybe we'll get a follow-up here uh later in the season as we uh go through pollination and and uh see how the season progresses and hope to have you back that sounds good thanks jeff yep thanks for stepping in and 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 glad to have everybody listening in if you guys have any questions here uh from your area uh be sure and send your questions in to uh, to us and use social media if you can uh, use the hashtag ask Iowa agronomy I know we've uh, getting a lot of uh, uh, mother nature situations popping up from uh, hail flood uh, and dry uh, all three uh, combinations thereof uh, and so be sure and let us know uh, what you're seeing in your fields and and how we can help and and, and maybe answer some of those questions on future uh, future episodes. So certainly submit those to us using uh, the hashtags on social media. And we hope to have you back again next week for another episode of the Iowa Agronomy Update. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.